What does it mean to live together? On this land? In, in this, this place? place? Burnt Thicket Theatre presents We, we Treaty, Treaty People. People. Audio dramas exploring what it means to embrace all our relations. Welcome back for our conversation with the artists from last episode. Taken before birth. My name is Yvette Nolan, and I'm the production dramaturge for We Treaty People. My name is Stephen Walchmidt. I'm the artistic director of Burnt Thicket Theatre. Part of my personal journey in recent years has been about learning to see the history of Canada from Indigenous perspectives and unlearning cultural assumptions and practices I've received in my Eurocentric heritage. Of course, this learning and unlearning are ongoing. As a company, Burnt Thicket is seeking to respond to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's call to action number 83, to support good ways for Indigenous and non-Indigenous artists to collaborate in making theatre that contributes to reconciliation in these lands called Canada. In our live shows after Curtain Call, we encourage audiences and artists to engage with each other, with the story, and with their real lives outside the theatre. Given that these are digital performances, we hope this conversation with the artists will expand your reflection about the play. We'd like to invite you to learn more. Check out the resources and suggestions in the episode description and our website. We encourage you to talk about the play with your friends, to chat with us on Facebook, or in our virtual talkbacks on Zoom. Or by leaving a response on our website. We want to hear what you think. And now, recorded on Treaty 6 territory, we bring you a conversation with the artists from Taken Before Birth. <laughs> why, why, don't we, why don't we start by just go, go around, introduce yourself and what your role was or is on, on the, the audio play, and that'll get us started. And I'm, I'll start, I'm Stephen Walchmet, and I was the stage manager and uh, recording assistant on this production. <laughs> and I'm Tim Bratton, I'm uh, doing uh, the recording for this and I'm doing sound design. Errol Kinistino played uh, Mushroom. I'm Jennifer Dawn Bishop. I played the playwright. I am <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Amanda Trapp, and I assistant directed. I am Ezra Forrest, and I am Nusus Amisquasis. I am Raven Dolman, and I played Daughter. And we won't forget Donna Michelle. I'm Donna Michelle St. Bernard. I'm the director of this piece. Yeah, she is. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the dramaturg. Yeah. 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 Totes well. for God. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, um, we want to invite those who are listening to these episodes and to the, the artist interviews afterwards to consider these questions. First of all, what surprised you as you experienced this show, Taken Before Birth, or you experienced the script for the first time? Or maybe is there a line or an image from the play that is stuck with you or just continue to resonate with you? Mary Lou. I'm not going to be here very long. 
No, it's not even the line. (laughs) 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 Uh, You had the first word, right? (laughs) Mary Lynn. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't for one of my lines. Um, It was actually for uh, Mushum's. (laughs) It was for Mushum's line when he said, you can't put a notebook in in rice. (laughs) And I was like, that's so clever. I like that. Uh, so that that line stuck out for me. It was a very beautiful image. I imagined a journal in rice, and I was like, that, "That's funny." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm partial to the line, "We are a family of resilience and love." For me, it was my line of, "I went. I was fine without status." Basically, and it just kind of like stuck with me because that's what it was like for me growing up. Mm-hmm. And because j- just with the prejudice that has always happened when I was younger, being like, oh, you're not status, you're white. But it's like, but I am. Mm-hmm. And they kind of put drilled that into my head that I was embarrassed until I got an older. I'm like, I don't care anymore what other people think. Yeah. I think the one line I like uh, was... Uh, my father married my mom, but he wasn't from this community. And because he wasn't from this community, my mom was, she, she lost her status. And then the journey of uh, how it put grandfather, who was probably a young man at the time, dealing with that, that is, it's not as easy as, you know, just being half brown and half white. You know, acknowledging that. Mm. So that's, you know, that's probably half the province of Saskatchewan. (laughs) (laughs) You got to have a little Cherokee in them somewhere. (laughs) 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 We we can come back if another thought from one of those questions comes to mind. But here's a question for you, Jen, Mm -hmm. as a playwright. What was your inspiration in writing this script? I always find inspiration within my own family. A very close-knit family, but also as well the circumstances that uh, surrounds that idea. So something, a memory, and just the life that my dad lived and my mom lived, and just kind of drawing from those beautiful but painful memories is what always inspires me to create something from it, whether it's something lovely or not so lovely. Um, but I, my deep-rooted inspiration always comes from my family, for sure. Cool. And from the people that I run into that really help build on that, too. So. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, here's the next question. How are you connected to the land and to communities around you? My connection to the land is basically the heart of my spirituality. I view the land as what it is. It's medicine. It's a part of the four elements. It's how I'm connected to my culture. And 
I think that the land is very knowledgeable and has a lot of wisdom in it. And for me, it keeps me connected to my ancestors. Thank you for sharing that because it is different for for everyone and for myself like I didn't realize I had a deeper connection to the land when you're taught that's the last thing you're you're taught about or really finding where your roots lie so really I had no connection to it other than okay this is where I was born until I was introduced to my identity and culture and realizing there's much more to that instead of just pavement that I walk on. And it's still like, it's a discovery and finding more respect for the land and a much more deeper love for it as well and not just dirt under our feet. You know, it's, it's definitely not an easy question to ask and you have to think back on that and just remembering what certain moments you had when you were connected with the land you know were you sharing a story with a loved one were you burying a loved one mm -hmm. or where did you share your first kiss it's different for everyone in those moments mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that yeah. like when I think about the land like I think about how people are like walking trees you know like no matter where we walk we're still connected to the earth our roots are still with us, but we're walking. And I think like the beautiful thing about um, growing up with my culture was that that's all I know. And it kind of makes me feel like I wish everybody could have that experience. And the fact that some people didn't due to so many factors kind of, it, it, it's, it's hard. But I'm really glad that you found that for yourself, Jen, that you were introduced to it and that you explored it. I walked on into the store today on the Broadway Street. Uh, my partner that I'm, that I'm with grew up around this area mm. as, a, as an adopted uh, child. And she has connections to the community, you know, be it pavement and be it, you know, houses and stuff like that, schools. And so that's her tie, you know, and all those things are on the land, you know, within the boundaries of Nutana or whatever, the city park. But when I went into that store, it was really kind of cool because uh, there, the store was probably based on... Uh, an outlet for Wanaskewin. And they have all this Ukrainian cloth in there that's, you know, we've adopted into this, into our culture, the, the ribbon skirts and, and, and the smudges and the, the new trends made in China and all that stuff. <laughs> but way in the back, they had a land back hat cap and I said hey that'd be cool that's 35 bucks for this land back cap and then uh, a t-shirt that says uh, smudge or whatever burn sage burn whatever and burn the Indian act <laughs> <laughs> so it's like pretty funky I liked it I liked it had a bunch of Alan Sapp paintings up on the wall it's really awesome I loved it I don't, I don't see that, that kind of store in Regina area 
it made me think, where in the heck did this land back thing come from? And I, and I think it actually came from someplace in the States where they're repatriating some of the land that was stripped away from the, you know, the, the native community. So that was pretty, pretty, pretty neat to me. I thought that was, that's a new topic. And, uh, you know, it's a topic that's, uh, it's not really a new topic. It's just, you know, a new way of saying, well, when are they going to, you know, uh, do something about, about making things right? You know, because all of, you know, this continent, Turtle Island, and it was, was you know it's 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 open up to immigration. It's open up to refugees from all around the world, including ourselves. That you know, as Aboriginal people that came here, through, whether we came here from the sky or the Bering Strait or wherever, we're 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 still on this sacred place, and it's become known as Turtle Island. And I think that. You know, despite what we have to go through right now, it's 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 beyond us in thinking of that that we have a right to the land because we made treaties, or uh, you know, we have a right to to life because we're Indians, and we have the right to get this land back. You know, it's a colonial way of thinking, really, that we have to face. You know, I heard uh, an elder say this in, 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 in the Black Hills, in Mount Rushmore, when I was uh, down there meeting some people from the, from the Sioux Teton tribe. And, and our nation was, well, Chap Nation was proposing a, a, a treaty of friendship with the, with the, with the great Sioux, Sioux tribe. But this man that was spoken there, he was representing from one of the six tribes around the Black Hills. And he said something about, you know, I don't really like what's happened in this country. In the Black Hills particularly, that's what he's talking about. They found diamonds here and they come in and just throw away the treaty. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like it that they found uranium here and they come and exploit it. I don't like it. I don't like it that they have casinos and, you know, I don't like it that they offer a trillion dollars for this land to, you know, to take the settlement. And then, in, then he referred to a prophecy that if you don't live properly on this land and you exploit it and you just, you deteriorate it, like what has become, you know, an infection, it seems like in Turtle Island, we're a machine of war. America is just right there. And they didn't get here from being nice to people. They got here through an act of war. And that's, you know, I've heard it uh, over the years. You know, why what else would be in, would be in Vietnam? Why what else would be, you know, live through the, the, the American Revolution? And they brought that spirit here of being in war. So a lot has changed. And uh, land back, uh, you know, I really wish we could have simple answers, you know. And right now we have assumed, it seems like we have a little window of opportunity to, to do a little bit of self-education or, or even educating about what does that really mean. Does it mean we, you know, put ribbon skirts on and, you know, 
put ribbon shirts on and, you know, get on a bandwagon of red sh- ribbon day and, you know, every child matters thing. And that's part of our, 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 our way of getting our land back. Or was it even our land to begin with? You know, I think there's a philosophical difference between those philosophies. And the, the, the guy, one of those spoke, and he's gone now, but he said, if we don't know how to look after this place we live in, the earth, the earth will implode. There'll be like this big hole. And if we don't know how to live, if we don't know what foods to eat, where to get the water, where to get, you know, the the air we breathe, uh, the probably civilization is going to come to a halt. And you could sort of see it in the air, you know, with the hurricanes and the wind. And the, so we're out of touch with, with a lot of our people's philosophies, you know, the elders. Uh, you know, and uh, we learn things through English now. We learn things through, like, the Bible, or we learn things through theater, drama. We don't learn things through our, our original languages. It's because it's been ripped away. Like you say in your play, our cultures has been ripped away. Our philosophies and in touch with our elders and prophecies are, are maybe gone. And uh, we're in the same boat as everybody else is. We're going to be on that. As they say, the the impending road to de- destruction, it seems, you know. Don't get me started. We want to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he, here's a follow-up to that, that question. How could you be more connected to this land and or to the communities around you? All I could think of was just trying my best. You know, reaching out to the people I haven't reached out, about families, cousins. What is their connection with the with the land? And you know, just finding finding the ones that I haven't had a chance to meet yet, finding out where they're from, and just really trying to trap the family roots because there's such a disconnect. And that's how I feel like I could get closer, mm-hmm. as if I know more you know, get to know my family, just build on that. There's family I've never even met. Uh, grandfather's from Kent County, England. I want, you know, I, I want to explore, you know, that. I'm meeting my grandmother, and but also, you know, like, where, where else? So all, all I can do is just um, making making space and finding where where the roads lie ahead. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah, I don't know. I'm not cool. I'm not as cool as some people that could get <laughs> <laughs> out there as far, but just could only do it in the way that makes sense for me and at my own pace. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll share a thought just because it's buzzing in my brain. The, it connects back to the connection to land. So right now... I'm in my neighborhood. They're replacing the the water main on my street. So so all the last two or three weeks, 
I just feel the rumble of machinery digging up the land. And I want clean, non-lead-infected water. I do. And that's why this is happening. But I, I can't help but thinking, it's like, can't there be a better way than this for us to do what we're doing? And I don't have a good answer to that. But I do also just feel this disruption of the way of what's going on. It's disrupted the flow of the things that that have made community and my connection to land and place something that has started to be meaningful. So the fact that the road shut down, I no longer see the families that come by our house on the way to school every day because they they got to go around. Hmm. Um, I, so I just want to think of ways to to live that don't disrupt these these vital rhythms of community. And I don't know if lead line replacement is the best example of, of trying to think through how this could be better, but it is, it's, it's been a thought in my mind as I, as I miss those rhythms and as I, I feel disturbed in, in my body by the rumbling of what we're doing to, to be in this place and going, oh, is this the best? Anyway, that's just a thought. I really appreciate that though. Mm -hmm. Everyone interprets it in the way that makes sense for them. Yeah. So, yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah, and I, I have to say, like I, I grow, growing up, I didn't think of the land in any sort of indigenous understanding. It was like, well, I grew up in this city, I lived in Indonesia for this time, loved different parts of that land, and great memories and felt somewhat displaced coming back, lived, then I lived in the States. But again, it was like all like city and like no sense of like, this is where I belong or I'm like from here, you know, and, and being in Saskatchewan for the last almost 10 years is like, I've been learning more about, both about Treaty 6 and about, but, but also the, the different indigenous communities here and and I guess I long to be to, to, to have a more of a connection to the land and whether it's like gardening in my yard or knowing people more in our neighborhood um, which is certainly has become more of a, a, a part of our life over the last years than in previous places we've lived I don't, I'm not quite sure how to answer that question either, but it, but it kind of like calls to me in a way of like, oh yeah, I, I love, I love the land here. I love the river valley. I love the, like walking around Cranberry Flats or um, you're seeing the, 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 the sunrise in the winter, in the winter here. Um, and I want to learn more be more connected. So this next question has a little bit of an intro. <laughs> mm -hmm. Some some elders understand the spirit of treaty as adoption, as a good way to welcome strangers as family and as all our relations. Yet we have not fulfilled those relationships across these lands called Canada. Our series title, We Treaty People, is an unfinished declaration inviting all of us forward to lean in to treaty relationships, perhaps, as one of many paths toward reconciliation. So here's the question. How has telling this story 
affected the ways that you see other people or maybe how you see all my relations, what that, that phrase means to you. Something that really um, has resonated with me from this story, um, I'm, my family is from Grenada in the Caribbean and we immigrated um, because of a revolution and that revolution has been very prominent in my thinking about, about that place and about our move here. And I realized at some point that that idea of revolution was abstract for me and the way I speak about it abstracts it in a way that is not consistent with my parents' actual lived experience of that um, terrifying event. And um, for me, like where I'm, where I'm coming from is the way that people talk about status and treaty and understand those things and reconciliation that doesn't uh, immediately connect with the lived experience of people who are actively in our lives mm. and, and that our way of talking about those things can be insensitive to what those things have meant and um, the shift to what those things have come to mean and what they're used to signify. So yeah, thinking about that, about like the difference between what that status um how a child approaches that conversation and how it lands with Mushim mm -hmm. and thinking about the childlike way that I would speak to my parents about a revolution that was part of their lives. Mm. All that. Mm, that's great. I, yeah. I resonate with what you said, Donna Michelle, um, because like, I think I might have shared this in one of our rehearsals. I, I have understood some of the like status, non-status, the way the Indian Act has like split people out, especially women, indigenous women. But but it's been more like something I've read about, like an or like maybe I guess what I mean is an abstraction in a way. Whereas I can't, I haven't necessarily been able to imagine what that is like, or like if that if that was a story for my grandparents. Mm -hmm. and, and that my son or my daughter were going to ask me about this and I, didn't, I wasn't ready to have that conversation. Whereas the story now is like, oh, I, I can imagine that being my family's experience because I have lived inside of these characters' worlds, mm -hmm. you know, for this, this 15 minutes or, you know. Yeah. And that's part of the gift of this story for, for me. That good old empathy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I kind of wish I could uh, almost run into the people in my past because the story ultimately comes from like questions and withheld histories. Mm -hmm. If I were to go to my teacher that taught us Christopher Columbus, yay, why mm -hmm. didn't you tell us? <laughs> why we're talking about this dude like I have this image of just like asking why did you withheld who I am mm. in a sense mm. or just yeah skipping over everything so uh, I think I would have been different with the the people I interact with so I keep thinking about the past I should be uh, thinking about the the ones that I run into now but it's a, it's a different vibe. It's definitely different. Um, and all in the current present, I just wonder, like, 
how much work have you done to get to this point? Like status, unstatus, the different struggles, the different stories. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky question, but it's certainly something that always draws me back into a past, literally a circle of reflections. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like the stuff that's going on in schools these days, yeah. called uh, land-based training. Mm -hmm. um, for example, you know, just in our community, you know, we we've introduced the farming, actually buffalo. They ain't wild like they used to be, and they're a crossbreed between a cow and 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 an inkling of buffalo. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of domesticated, like they stay in fences and all that stuff. But and they have the regular horns and whatever. <laughs> but they're really not wild like the old days. <laughs> but we ought to learn a little bit about animal husbandry, you know, and all this other stuff in the last. 20 years since we've been having this this uh, herd and then there's there's a process where they slaughter the two 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 buffalo mm -hmm. so the kids actually learn they 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 get them out of school and they love it mm -hmm. they love the watching the or the hunters you know take down a couple of buffalo mm -hmm. and then uh, the process of of the the stuff that's the heart and the liver and all this other stuff that's there, the relearning what, you know, what was, you know, not, it was in part of our blood, our DNA, three years ago in this part of the world, you know, like the living with the, with the buffalo. Yeah. But yet at the same time, the, you know, we know what happened when civilization and uh, farming came and the cattle started, you know, being the main way of food of, of the of this part of Turtle Island, but yet at the same time now we have a little opportunity to learn, to learn that you know what, what was in our head, but now it's coming alive, and it's the same way of uh, the language coming back. It's the grade, the kindergarten and nursery in grade one, two, three, four, five, six learn the language in school. We had the language stolen out of out of the adults and the, and and some of the elders, where we've learned uh, we've learned a bit of words, but not the the as a conversational you know living la language these days. So, but they're 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 endeavoring, which is really uh, kind of I don't know if it's a correcting you know what was maybe. You know, our process of going through the residential schools and colonialism and and becoming a territory to a province and and you know regurgitating the, the, the Saskatchewan Education Act and even if it's in our in our in our on our First Nations. So we're learning, we're plowing a little ahead, you know. And uh, I think that Really, we have a little window of opportunity to correct some of the stuff that that wasn't working in, in our past, or that was meant to be part of our demise. You know, like take the language away, take the you know, the culture away, and then make us regular citizens of of of, of society with no status, with no well, actually, they didn't even have status way back then. It was 
because it was actually a treaty. So since then, it's become, uh, you know, like the powers that be in, in Ottawa through the Indian Affairs or the Indian Service Canada have literally changed the treaty, the treaty relationship we've had and replaced it with status. You know, so now they can sort out who's Bill C-31 or E-12 and all that stuff. And it's, uh, it seems imminent that there are plans to eliminate, you know, the, 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 the Aboriginal Indigenous populations from their, their, I guess, nationhood status or that they think that they have and, 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 and blend us into, you know, being municipalities and being, you know, part of the regular world. So there's, and we call that in our world, the cunning of the white man, <laughs> you know. And from our nation that I'm from, the Chapois nation, there was a, a man, a former chief named Kakishwe, who who understood the papal bull, they understood the Rupert's Land Agreements, they understood the Hudson Bay companies, and he referred to that as the cunning of the white man. They know what they're doing, and they've come here with their papers and their and to to if you can get this analogy of saying when in 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 Columbus's time, it seems like the Indians had all the land and all their their sovereignty, and the Spanish people had all the Bibles. And within 130 years, it's the Indians that have all the Bibles and the white people have all the land, mm. you know. So we got to start, I guess, taking advantage of that little window of opportunity to, like you said, rewrite, you know, some of our, some of the stuff that was stolen from us, you know. Uh, and we have a little window of opportunity now before... Uh, with this reconciliation day coming up and all this other stuff and people, some people listen, you know, like, for example, 20, 30 years ago, you asked somebody what, what a residential school experience was, nobody knew what the heck it was, but now they know. So something's working. You go to a football game or, a, or a, you know, whatever, and they, and it sounds, it sounds really kind of corky, corny to me. So, well, we are on Treaty 6 land and the Métis and the Mechip and the Dene and whatever, because they just say it, but I don't know if they really understand. <laughs> I wish they would have meaning to it, you know, more than just a thing, oh, we got to say this, that, uh, you know, like God save the Queen or God save the King and, or whatever. So I wish they would, now there is our chance to maybe... Like know, it's not a yeah, chore to Yeah, do. it's not, you know, mm -hmm. it's not just a, a minuscule acknowledgement, you know. Mm -hmm. It it's something. more of an understanding. And, mm -hmm. and one of these days, you might not even have to say it, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe we'll get to that level where we don't have to say, well, this, where, you know, there's a leader, Kagishwe, who would say, well, who's the treaty people? And it wasn't compartmental as a status. It was, we are all people. Mm -hmm. Everyone here at this whether you have food, whether you hunt, whether we are all people, like stay mount. It's like the, it's beyond status. It's beyond, uh, you know, nationhood, like as far as, you know, citizenship in, into a 
private entity called Canada or wherever. So, and I think that's the truth philosophy in a sense, we're, we're people. Yeah. And yet at the same time, it can work against us that, hey, people know that. They, these guys think they're people. Let's get their land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is good to see, like, just jumping back and seeing more land-based um, teaching within the, mm -hmm. the school system because I feel so gypped. The only <laughs> land-based thing we did was take a box with um, tinfoil all over it, put a hot dog in it, and see how long the sun cooks it out in the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's yeah, it's in... It's pretty awesome, really. The kids want to go to school now. Mm. You know, they want to. They want to know oh, how the heck this buffalo is, <laughs> what it does, or what it could be. And then they feed people. You know, just like in the storybooks, it's you know that uh, we shared and we learned and we took the medicines from. I remember that some of the old people say. Those buffalo were pretty smart when they roamed around this part of the world because they had sage, they had medicines, and they were, they knew how to live through the winter, the harshest winter. They just mm -hmm. bunker down on the land yeah. and shake themselves off in the morning <laughs> because they ate of what they ate. Huh. And when when the herds came out, you don't just you didn't just really take anyone. The buffalo sent out the ones that they wanted to give to you, to, to use, and that's this happened. And now you could see it when they hurried up and they make a big circle, and pretty soon some will, one of them will step forward, and say, "Take me, I'm ready." Mm -hmm. And then it gives us life. It gives us. So that's why they're called our relatives. Mm -hmm. You know, Pasquamustus, they're our relatives. We've become part of them. They are part of us. Okay, it's been a lot of learning tonight, but I feel yeah. like my most uh, immediately implementable takeaway is I'm going to try to cook a hot dog in the backyard tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> is that wrong that I learned that? What <laughs> <laughs> part of the hot dog did you get? To... <laughs> I don't know. I just think it was just lazy cooking teaching. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be so sick on Wednesday, guaranteed. <laughs> Make sure it's pre-cooked. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody. I, I don't want to cut us off, but I also want to, you know, let everybody out when it's, you know, yeah. before it's time. Mm -hmm. but, but also just want to say, if there's anything else is like burning or something like, oh, I really wanted to say this or that, go for it. I guess, you know, uh, what I would like to say is uh, congratulations to you guys for doing this stuff, you know, because uh, mm -hmm. you're in a totally different world. Uh, you're updating a way to educate and a way to, you know, a way people learn. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I was a bit a part of it. And yeah. I'll go down south and I'll listen on the radio one of these times or whatever. We'll, like get, say. we'll get it to you. <laughs> yeah. Come over, have hot dogs at my house. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring that buffalo over. <laughs> we Treaty People is a production of Burnt Thicket Theatre. Support our work with a donation and learn more about the artists at burntthicket.com. And check out our website or the episode description for links to other great learning resources. Special thanks go to the Canada Council for making this project possible. And to our season sponsors, Shercom Industries and SK Arts. This work was gratefully created 
on Treaty 6 territory and on the homeland of the Métis. Join us next time for another audio drama episode of We Treaty People.